Hey, all, we need your help. We're hoping to raise $10,000 over the next few months to help cover the costs of a few current and upcoming projects. These include, but are not limited to, a complete redesign of our logo and design work for merchandise with our soon-to-be-announced store. Your donations will also be tax-deductible as we've just turned in the paperwork towards becoming an official nonprofit. Any amount is immensely helpful and we'll personally email each donor a thank you. Absolutely everything we do on this show is to make sure the gospel is heard throughout the world and the barrier of entry into confessional reform theology is as low as possible. So go to our show notes and click the link that says donor box at the top of the page and donate. Now on with the show. So it, it's important, I think, that whenever we talk about the call to obedience or the growth in sanctification, that we can never divorce that from what the Lord has done in us. Mm-hmm. The Lord has made us a new people. You are not a uh, you are not dead in your transgressions and sin. You are now alive in Christ. And given the fact that you are now alive, given the fact that you are now free, now go ahead and worship. Now believe. Now obey. Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast, a show devoted to bridging the gap to the historic Reformed Christian faith. Listen in as two friends, a layman Nick and a pastor Peter, discuss core doctrines of our confessional traditions with seminary and college professors, seasoned pastors, and more. These seasonal episodes exist to reach those outside the church, those in the pews, behind pulpits, and in the academy with rich truths of Reformed theology, and remind ourselves weekly how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, sponsored by Lagos Bible Software where we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. Today, we're on Season 6 Introduction to Reformed Theology seasonal episode, and we're going to be talking about sanctification today, the doctrine of sanctification. And Dr. Peter Lee is going to be helping us with this conversation. Uh, Peter Bell is going to further introduce uh, Dr. Lee here in a moment. But as you guys can already know, if you've been listening to this season, our guests are all affiliated and connected in some way, shape, or form uh, to Westminster Seminary, California, whether that's in the past and their alumni or their uh, pastors or their professors there. So you'll learn how Dr. Lee is connected to Westminster Seminary, California, and what he's up to right now and where he's at. So uh, if you go to our show notes, speaking of West Cal, there's going to be a link there. I'll take you to that seminary school, learn more about it. And then uh, Logos Bible Software, other bridge builder sponsor, and some of our other sponsors as well. And then some other just helpful links to connect with us and get more out of our show. Uh, If you're not listening or watching this on YouTube, as a reminder, you can see these videos on YouTube and subscribe to us there. You can uh, email us. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram to kind of engage with us and see what we're up to day on day in and day out. And then um, also just some other links to help you find a church in your area. If you need to call 
find one to call home. And then uh, just some other resources too, including um, this book we have a link for through Crossway that's helping us out, um, at least myself in this season. It's uh, the Creeds, Confessions, and Catechisms edited by Chad Van Dixhorn. And uh, it has all obviously of the creeds confessions and catechisms which we really rely on for this season talking about reformed theology because they are unpacked in those confessions so if i haven't found if i haven't forgotten anything else i'll let peter further introduce peter <laughs> that's that's right yeah my my esteemed um similarly named friend reverend dr peter lee is a church planter pastor and expert in ancient near eastern languages he is the professor of Old Testament and dean of students at RTS in Washington, D.C. Uh, he teaches Hebrew 1, Hebrew 2, Hebrew exegesis, <clears throat> Genesis to Joshua, and Judges to Esther at RTS. Graduated from Westminster Seminary, California. Went to the Catholic University of America for his Ph.D. in Semitic and Egyptian languages. Known for easygoing pastoral approach to teaching. And you guys will hear some of that today. Uh, makes Learning Hebrew and Old Testament of joy, which is that is a task to make Hebrew learning a joy, especially for those who don't don't know it. Um, it's a pleasure having you on our show, Dr. Lee. All righty, guys. Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So I question. This is not going to be a surprise to Dr. Lee because we talked about this for about 20 minutes before in the record button. Um, but how much do you miss in and out living in Maryland? <laughs> how much... How much do I miss in and out being out here in Maryland? Um, you know what? It, it cannot be expressed in words how much I miss in and out. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, okay, how about this? I was asked to officiate a wedding in uh -huh. Los Angeles. This is years ago. And um, I have a feeling I know what's coming after this. I, uh, I you know, I, I went to the wedding, I went to the rehearsal, I grabbed in and out. Um, uh, uh, the that uh, that day before the rehearsal, uh, I got my in and out. After the rehearsal, they had a a rehearsal dinner for all of the party members' families. I uh, th they said I could come, and I said no. I really need to get some work done for the for the wedding the next day. Mm -hmm. Truth be told, I just went back to in and out. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that was your work day, for the wedding the next that, day. Well, you, yes, you I mean, sure. I worked while I was enjoying my in and out. The next day was the wedding. I grabbed it for lunch before the wedding. After the wedding, uh, I was, of course, invited to the um, reception afterwards. Yep. Now, truth be told, I needed to leave early to catch my flight back to uh, the East Coast. So yep. I couldn't stay for the reception. That is true. But on my way to the airport, <laughs> I brought my in and out again, <laughs> grabbed my in and out, and, and I took off. And Every so, meal. Yeah, every every meal without apology. <laughs> yeah, I love it. There's there's nothing like you can't get too saturated with in and out if you don't live next to in and out. It's that's I don't think that's oh. possible. You know what? There are East Coasters out here who have uh, been out to Southern Cal or some place in the country where they have in and out. They have tried it. Uh, they come back and they just tell me, yeah, it's a good burger. And it's how it's dare you get that? It get is that offensive language uh, out of my face. You know, they, they don't, they don't appreciate, they, you, you, you have to grow up with it. I think this too. is true. It's a life-changing burger really. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that and there's no debate. It's not like this place, not in and out versus anything else. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's in and out. And then there's a, there's a 
big pile of dung and there's everything else. <laughs> in, indeed. I, I mean, to my uh, friends out in the Texas area who uh, constantly compare this to the Whataburger, I, I don't understand it with, with all love and respect. <laughs> I do not understand the debate. Yeah. It, the In-N-Out Burger is superior for less money. It's, uh, yeah. Mic drop. Yes, <laughs> this is true. Well, question two. You're, uh, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, a majority of our listeners are not from California, so they'd be like, so they might be wondering what is in and out or hey, they this might is, not be. This is everybody's reason to come fly to California, maybe not live here, but fly to California, go to in and out and then go back to wherever you live. In in Indeed. If you're not going to go there for the weather and the beach and Disneyland, In-N-Out. you go out there for in and out. I mean, yep. that honestly is not a bad, uh, bad thing. You guys know, I mean, in and out, it's a fast food chain mm-hmm. with an unbelievably meaningful powerful life-changing burger high high quality high quality ingredients and you'll get a bible verse on the on the bottom of your cup i think californians Um, we at least at least i think californians we kind of take in and out for granted because there's like where i live there's probably five within walking distance and same (laughs) i got one down the road yeah, yeah, that's I, uh, I am uh, I am coveting in sin as I guess you guys are sharing this. I must. Confess. I think you need to get sanctified. This is this is something we have to talk about. Yes, amen. <laughs> but I I have a, I have another perspective for you guys because I was not born and raised in California, and so I actually appreciate it a lot too because I didn't I didn't get this since day one in my life. I've I've I always knew about it from the day that I had taste buds. No, really, one of the one of the best, it, but. Nick, Nick Mabel, or I'm, I'm sure Dr. Lee can, can, uh, can, maybe not to the second part, but to attest to both, it's one of the best texts you can get from your wife or if you're a girl, oh, yeah. your husband get in and out is as they're coming back from home, I was like, Hey honey, I got in and out for dinner. And like, there's just like, you could have had the worst day in the world and this would just get better. Everything's well, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I will, I will tell you, you know what, here in the East coast, uh, and I and I can't remember if they have this in in the in the West. Uh, Chick fil A. Yeah, we have yep. it. Do they? Okay. We, yeah, uh, we, we have good. There's a Chick fil A right like not right across the street, but in the same parking lot as an In and Out. Yeah. It just just started here in Santa Ana in 2022, and it is the busiest part of Santa Ana right now. There's Terrific. a lot of Chick fil A's right next to In and Outs. I've noticed. They're like, yeah. well, right well they know they're going to get traffic. Yeah, I'm they like, know they're going to get all that, the people. Uh, the way that East Coasters talk about Chick fil A. Reminds me a little bit of the way Southern Cal- Southern Californians talk about In and Out. There, mm. there does seem to be kind of a uh, an analogy there. But I was um, I was teaching at our at our RTS campus in Houston. I found out there was an In and Out about a forty minute drive from where I was staying. <laughs> I, I drove that forty minutes. You don't even think out. about it. It's not it's not forty no, minutes. No, it was not even like, oh, a debate. Thank, I mean, thank the, the Lord, it's only forty. No, minutes. no. The, the first thing out of my mouth when I to to the uh, administrator there was, "Where am I teaching? You know, how long do I have? And <laughs> is there an in and out?" <laughs> I like and that. And when I w- drove to that in and out, and and you see that that beautiful sign, that yep. that White bright red. red oh, that, yes. It it almost brought tears to my eyes. It just was so nostalgic <laughs> of my childhood. I like this. So here's I'll give you some help. If there's any conference organizers, anybody who's ever going to ask Dr. Lee to either preach at their church or to speak at their conference, telling you right now if you if you live next one or if you can order one, have a have an In and Out burger available for Dr. Lee after he preaches or teaches or whatever it is, and I, and I bet you he will never forget that. It would be most appreciated. You don't even need to pay me my honorarium. I, I was, I was, I was, I was, I didn't want to assume, but it's, that's a, 
<clears throat> I, I I kind of assumed that's that's exactly <laughs> what it, if a church instead of paying me, I mean maybe I shouldn't say that. Don't whoever's listening, don't don't listen to what I'm about to say. But if you gave me in and out, I I probably wouldn't miss the money as much. But still, you still want to pay. But on to, you know, on to- <laughs> wait, wait, I got I got some more questions about this in and out because I mean Chick Fil A and In and Out, I gotta admit, have incredible strawberry shakes, both this of them, and. Dr. Lee, pretend you're in and out right now. What would you oh, order? Boy. What would you order? Oh, yeah, well, what's the okay. go-to? Yeah. Well, I, okay, since I, I, I don't get it, I, I just need something classic, simple, mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, just something you know normal. you're going to like and you know you're, you're, you're going to enjoy. And is it animal normal. style? Animal style? It, well, yeah, I mean, I would normally, if, I mean, if I, was, uh, if I was there, I probably would take animal style, but you know what? Just a classic, double-double, extra mm-hmm. everything, fresh mm-hmm. onions. Bam, there you go. Strawberry you know, shake. You know what we're gonna do tonight? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my wife. We we're having a friend over tonight. We're gonna get in and out. There's no You guys no are push. killing me. Killing me. So. <laughs> so we're gonna take a photo and we're gonna tag you on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna do that for lunch et, today. At two brute, at two. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, uh at, hey, you know what? I I, I I'm happy for you all. Um, <laughs> I, I, at least I have Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, Chick-fil-A's good. Right. There's no nothing wrong that's, with Chick-fil-A. That's right. Okay, well, onto, 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 onto weightier matters. So beyond in and out and RTS and your kind of theological um, bio, um, before we get into the kind of the meat of this, tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about Peter Lee. Yeah, well, I, yeah, thank you, you guys. Um, well, let's see. I was uh, 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 practically born and raised in Southern California. That's mm-hmm. really the only home I, I have known uh, um, almost my entire life. I, mm-hmm. I went to all of my education was there. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to high, high school, school, although it was years apart. We went to high school like five miles away from each other. That, oh, yeah, that's right. So I went to Irvine High School, went to UC Irvine for college. Uh-huh. Um, in uh, although uh, I was born and raised more or less in the context of a church, uh, this is the ethnic Korean church where mm-hmm. uh, most of the uh, instruction was done in Korean. Huh. Uh, I didn't know Korean. I still don't know Korean. Oh, interesting. So, I'm sure they were preaching the gospel, but I didn't <laughs> understand it. <laughs> you just weren't sure. So uh, for that reason, my church experience growing up was a, was a bit um, rebellious, I guess you could say. I, I yep. didn't enjoy it. it. It was sort of a drag. Same here. Uh, when I was in high school, the Lord brought a, a very gracious, loving uh, youth pastor who actually spoke English. And for <laughs> the good. very first time in my life, I actually understood the gospel. Huh. Uh, and then... Uh, life was just radically different from that moment uh, moment forward. Somewhere maybe towards the um, end of my junior year, into my fr- senior year of high school, is where um, the the message of, of the love of God for a sinner like me really hit home hmm. and uh, is where um, I, re- I, I turned to Christ, embraced him by faith for the first time, at least that I could be conscious of. Sure. And my life changed radically. Mm-hmm. Now church became my most favorite place to be, even though I didn't understand a word that was being said. <laughs> you know, you struggle through, you sit through the services. Uh, I entered college with that, with a, um, you know, I think a lot of, I, I don't think it's too different than college students today. You have a sense of um, uh, uncertainty of where you want to go, what you want to do. Uh, that was when the Lord called me to ministry. Uh, and I knew that I didn't want, uh, others to kind of grow up in the church, not knowing the gospel the way that I did. So, 
uh, that was when it really convicted me that the only way to make a difference here is to really pursue a full call to ministry. And that's yeah. how it happened. It The uh, Lord led me to Westminster in California, where I did my seminary work, graduated, received a pastoral call out here to Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been out here now for the past 20, over 25 years doing pastoral work, did my PhD out here. Uh, RTS was getting started right around that time here in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord opened an opportunity for me to to pursue not just uh, a PhD, but an opportunity to actually practice that, use that in uh, in a seminary context to train future ministers and leaders of the church. Um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Awesome. That's that's really cool. And that that leads uh, to my next question, as as Nick already talked about <laughs> this season is devoted to or at least having Westminster faculty and, and staff and, and alumni who serve across the world. And so you're serving in uh, RTSDC and you're also preaching at uh, an OPC church in the area. So we'll begin by asking three questions uh, in a row. If you can answer these in, in, um, in order. So first you've already talked about a bit, maybe more specifically, how did you find Westminster? Uh, second, what was your education like at Westminster? And then lastly, how has Westminster prepared you for both the academy and the church? Because you're in both, serving in both full time. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, they're great questions. Um, you know, Westminster West is in uh, in North San Diego County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up uh, about an hour and a half from that area. Yep. Uh, my uh, some of my pastors, both at the church where I was attending, the campus ministry that I was attending at UC Irvine were all Westminster West uh, men. Hmm. Uh, so it was pretty ingrained to me hmm. uh, that when I wanted to go to seminary, it was it was, it was was pretty clear where. Um, it was either Westminster here in California or Westminster in Philadelphia. I'm kind of a homebody, so the idea <laughs> yeah. of staying local and close Philly's, to home. Philly is hard to swallow if you're from SoCal. Well, <laughs> well I, again, it, it, it's, it's a totally foreign area. And... Yeah. Um, and now in retrospect, and it's cold and, and it's, SoCal's and not it's cold. cold. You see, I wouldn't even known to even ask those types of questions, but, uh, but you know, the, uh, the faculty back in those days in the, uh, in the early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, late eighties, early nineties, um, was a, a fantastic group. Uh, oh, yeah. and you heard about these men, uh, and their writings all of the time. Um, you know, John frame was, uh, mm-hmm. at Westminster at that time. Uh, Bob Godfrey, who mm-hmm. just retired from, he wasn't even president at the time. He was he was just a lowly professor of Old Testament <laughs> or uh, of um, of church history. Yep, yep. Um, uh, 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 Doctor Meredith Klein was still yep. active, and uh, and it, it became clear to me where I wanted to go, hmm. and uh, and and that was just real easy uh, to go to Westminster, and so that that's largely the reason why. I went there. I never regret it. To this day, I still don't regret it. My seminary experience was fantastic. Uh, the education at Westminster was was great. I mean, I, I must confess that I, I hear students talk about the deadness of uh, theological education and yeah. how dry it is. I heard it too. I'll tell you, <clears throat> that just was not my experience. Didn't exist when all. I was there either, yeah. Not even. I still remember my professor of theology, Bob Strimple, um, teaching lecturing in class um and uh just rejoicing and 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 almost uh proclaiming the the majesty oh, yeah. of christ and his glory and uh mm-hmm. 
And at a certain point, he just had to stop and just lead the class in a brief moment of worship. And yep. and that's what seminary was like for me. Yeah, that happened simply, regularly at Westminster West, totally. Oh yeah, praise God. I mean, it's hard not to, I think. The, the material that we uh, try to teach in these classes are so uh, life-changing uh, and so uh, powerful that you you can't just talk about it and then move on. You almost have to sing a song, you know. <laughs> you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we didn't do that, but uh, but I I think for that reason, uh, as I think back now in in my uh, in my Christian life, it, it single uh, seminary was one of the greatest times of my life. Mm -hmm. It was a, a great time of incredible growth intellectually. Um, uh, morally, spiritually, mm -hmm. uh, in so many different ways, and uh, and so for me, the, the the classes were fantastic. They were they were you know demanding. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. no doubt of that. Uh, there was um, uh, a lot of work, but uh, but I loved it, and and so I kind of knew when I graduated that I wanted to be associated with this type of environment at mm -hmm. some point, um, at some type again uh, again. Um, Westminster uh, really valued the centrality of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, back in those days, uh, Dr. Ed, Cl Ed Clowney was still mm -hmm. uh, fairly active. He was he was retired, but uh, he was teaching a significant amount of courses here and there. Uh, in fact, it was during my years that he his Doctrine of the Church book was mm -hmm. just published. Yep. Uh, Dr. Clowney, as you guys may or may not be aware, made a career towards the latter half of his life of of teaching classes on the centrality of preaching yep. Christ in all of the scriptures. Yep. yep. So every class he taught was preaching Christ in this, preaching Christ in that. A lot of and, his lectures are still available online too. Oh, that's terrific. And yep. and uh, you know, when you when you hear that and you and you see, you know, to me heaven is almost just uh listening to Ed Clowney preach about Christ in front of Christ, you know, <laughs> he was just so, and the way he talked about him was like the way that we talk about our children or our wives. And, uh, it, it, and you can't fabricate that type of heart. No. You know, you either love Jesus or you don't. And this man loved Christ and, and had a, uh, an intellectual, uh, foundation as understanding of the theology of Christ uh, I took away from Westminster the centrality and the importance of preaching Christ, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that's what is what I've been trying to do mm -hmm. in my pastoral work ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, what I've been trying to do in my even in my academic setting here uh, at at RTS uh, ever since um, uh, as well. So it, it definitely prepared me for the ministry of the word. Now, you know, it's true that there are other aspects of pastoral work that, mm -hmm. uh, not, not just Westminster, I think seminary in general uh, doesn't really prepare you for. Mm -hmm. It won't teach you how to come up with a strategy of small groups or no. or um, a strategy of missions. No. But, you know, frankly, that that's not what I was expecting. And that's not no. what you could expect uh, from seminary. Seminary... Um, you know, really prepared you to be a minister of the word of God as a primary tool in ministry. And uh, that uh, uh, Westminster was fantastic. And uh, and I value that and the way that I, I try to utilize the word of God uh, in in every aspect of my life uh, to, to this day. And so, if you know, you need to learn how 
to develop a vision of ministry and mm-hmm. small groups and, and all mm-hmm. of that. But you learn that in the context of the church, not the mm-hmm. seminary. And so uh, in, in that sense, I, you know, in terms of the ministry of the word, you know, Westminster was great and I loved it. Awesome. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. And going into my first question, talking about the the first catechism I'll bring up, not to confuse the audience, Westminster larger catechism, which came came out long before Westminster Seminary, just for the the beginner audience out there so they're not confused. These are two different things. Uh Westminster larger catechism does help us help educate us on this topic of sanctification, specifically when we look at question and answers 75, 77, and 78. I don't think I forgot any others, but let me know. Uh, Can you help elaborate what sanctification is, but based on definition, maybe uh, tied to this uh, Westminster Larger Catechisms, and uh, what it is in relation to justification? Yeah, um, yeah, really great questions and a good place to start, I guess, as we uh, talk about um, uh, sanctification and uh, and what that means and how 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 important uh, that is. Quite frankly, I don't know if I could say it any better than the uh, than the Westminster Larger Catechism. And uh, for your listeners, that really is just a better place to go is to read uh, the the Larger Catechism questions that you just mentioned here, seventy five, seventy seven, seventy eight, the the chapter on sanctification. In the confession mm-hmm. of faith. So th- the best I think I could do is just kind of summarize yeah, do it. in a yeah, real, hopefully uh, understandable way, uh, what it is doing there. Sanctification, as it's taught in the confession, which is a reflection of the teaching of scripture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the work uh, of the spirit of God as he uh, renews our hearts to grow in day-to-day further conformity to the image of Christ. Mm. There is a sense of a growing in holiness, a a growing um, in our uh, love for Christ, our love for God, uh, and growing in the way that we live our lives and further obedience to conformity to the law um, of God. Uh, now, the sanctification, for that reason, is a gift that God gives us. We can't do this on our own. And truth be told, to live a life uh, in sin, in corruption, is a horrible way to live. So, we, so praise God that He is working in our lives to sanctify us for further. Now, as you mentioned, and again, there's a lot that can be said here, so I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. Sure. Um, you know, it is distinct from the doctrine of justification. So, what is you know the confession and the catechism as it teaches what justification is. Justification is a one-time act of God where he declares – justification is a – the term that's often used is a forensic act. It's a legal act. Uh, It's a legal declaration is what it is. So you have to imagine a courtroom, and we are essentially on trial for violating the law of God. Uh, Justification is that declarative state of acquittal, not not guilty, but you are innocent. In fact, you're more than innocent. You did everything right. Mm-hmm. So it's a legal declaration, and that's the amazing thing. It is a legal declaration that you are completely just, that you are completely innocent. Now, the reason why the Bible says that God can declare us just uh, and why we are justified in this sense is not because we did anything right on our own. In fact, when we look at our lives, we see nothing but corruption and degradation 
depravity, sin, immorality, selfishness, greed, lust. That's sort of what we are uh, on our own. The basis and the grounds upon which God declares us just is what the confession refers to as an imputed righteousness. That's a technical term. It's a righteousness that has been given to us. The righteousness that has been given to us is the righteousness of Jesus himself, a, a um, Jesus who was completely obedient, completely faithful in word, in thought, in deed, in attitude, in heart, totally, in total conformity, exactly, precisely to the law of God. And it's that righteousness that is given to us. We receive that. Uh, but we receive that by faith, not by our own, own own obedience. And the confession stresses the fact that we have to do this only by faith. And the reason why is because faith is the only virtue that makes us look outside of ourselves. You know, work obedience makes you look towards you. Faith makes you look to someone else. So, uh, and and that's an important thing, you see. If we say that you are justified in Christ by faith alone, what we're saying is that God has declared you just, righteous, holy, uh, or completely innocent of violating his law because of what Jesus has done. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. That is justification. Now, once you understand that you have been justified because of what Christ has done, um, now you are called Ed, to live a life of holiness. Mm -hmm. And that is sanctification. Now, in our sanctification, we're never going to be perfect. We are going to fall back. We are going to be defiant. We will be disobedient. The overall total of a Christian life is going to be better than where we started, but we are going to take steps backwards. But it's not that our sanctification is where we stand right with God. We stand right with God because he has justified us, given the fact that he has justified you, that you, therefore there is no longer any grounds to condemn you. Given that you now are, are justified and there is no condemnation for you, live your life now and live it in obedience. And you can do so now without any fear of condemnation because that has already been paid for, you see, uh, in, in Jesus Christ. When we understand that relationship then of justification from sanctification, you see, it's very liberating on how we are to live the Christian life. We don't live it because... Uh, we have to earn our salvation. It has already been graciously given to us. Praise God for that. We now live it out of love and gratitude for everything that God has done for us in Christ. As you probably know, we talk a lot about Westminster Seminary, California on here. I can't even begin to tell you the impact this institution has had on my faith, my family, and the ministry the Lord has entrusted me with. If you feel called to serve the church and want the most rigorous training for gospel ministry around, consider coming to Westminster Seminary, California, a confessionally reformed institution in sunny San Diego that offers master's degrees in biblical and theological studies, historical theology, and divinity. Westminster's approach to ministry education emphasizes a mastery of the original biblical languages, maintaining a small student-to-professor ratio, a laser focus on face-to-face -face education coupled with an understanding of the importance of having pastor scholars with decades of ministry experience train the next generation of servant leaders for the Church of Jesus Christ. 
If this interests you, and I hope it does, call Westminster today at 888-480-8474 to talk to admissions counselor or visit www.wscal.edu. Again, call Westminster Seminary California today at 888-480-8474 or log on to www.wscal.edu, which will all be available in our show notes. Westminster Seminary California for Christ, His Gospel, and His Church. Yeah, and that's that leads me um, beautifully into into this next question. It's this is more so not necessarily kind of uh, channeling anything other than um, those who might assent to these doctrines who say, yes, of course, I know what justification means, I know what sanctification means. Um, maybe doctrinally, theoretically, but sometimes the way it's talked about is sanctification is is kind of viewed as what we do, and justification is viewed as what God does. It's, it's as if like you're on the train track, you're on, on God's train track, you get justified, then he switches, and you're on on your own you're kind of your own, your own train track with maybe like a sprinkle of help from 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 the Lord. Um, so can you help us maybe better yeah. understand what maybe our work quote unquote, versus God's work is, or if that's even the right paradigm to use for justification and sanctification. Yeah, well, there's definitely some truth in that. I mean, justification is a pure act that God does alone. We don't do anything to contribute to our own justification. And and again, we thank God uh, that that is true, that, you know, our sinful record has been wiped clean. It has been replaced now with the righteousness of Christ. And on that basis, we are declared uh, legally just. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely all God there. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we are called to obey, and that's in the area of sanctification. But mm-hmm. but I get your point. We we tend to think, okay, now that uh, I'm saved, the rest of the Christian life is up to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we don't really see God in that picture. It's interesting. Paul, the Apostle Paul, it deals exactly with that kind of question in Galatians 3. You know, he kind of rebuked, you know, it's sort of curmudgeonly Paul, you know, it's sort of grumpy Paul in the yep. in the book of Galatians. He's sort of angry a little Did bit. Did God start to uh, work and you think you can finish this? It, that's exactly right. That's exactly what he says there. Now, you know, now that, um, do you think that uh, now that the Lord has begun the work of salvation, do you think the rest is up to you to maintain? Yeah. Uh, he's a little frustrated because he seems, because the answer is clearly no. But yet the, the Galatians, foolish Galatians, I think is what Paul says, yep. <laughs> um, you know, is frustrated that they're not getting it. Yes, you have. There is a call to obedience, but it is the Lord who frees you now to obey. Yeah. And it's oftentimes the Lord's work of sanctification that is often forgotten and neglected. And we just think it's totally and completely um, up up to us. And we forget that it is the Lord who has renewed us so that we can obey. And it really has to be the the aspect of the Lord working in us to free us to do what we could not do mm-hmm. uh, before. It Really, Paul is just really borrowing from the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Lord will circumcise your heart so that you can love the Lord your God. This idea of circumcision is just cutting away of all the sinful, fleshly uh, filth um, and and it's talking about the same exact thing. He is the one who will renew your heart 
so that you can do what you could not do before. Mm-hmm. Once he has done this work in you, now you can obey. Now you can love. Now you can repent. Now you can believe. You couldn't do it before, but now you can. And and work of sanctification is remembering that truth. The Lord is the one who is renewing your heart so that you can now do what you could not do before. So if there's any modicum of obedience or love that we have in our hearts for others, much less for the Lord, the reason why is because of the Lord working within you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, even to kind of place this on my own heart, this is how I'm, I'm sure you've thought and, and Nick has thought. And I still think sometimes, even though I'm trained in this, that like, oh, I can, I can not do this on my own, but like a lot of it does kind of fall on me and it can feel like it fall on me. Um, and you feel bad some days, like, I mean, I'm not doing enough and I'm, I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading enough. I'm not, I'm not, um, serving enough, whatever it is. And I can, the kind of the example I thought is if, if you go to the gym, sometimes you'll take pre-workout and like one of the pre-workout kind of ceases at the, like the end of the workout, you you feel tired. You're like, okay, I have to take that again the next day. And I think sometimes I can view and a lot of us, of, of us can view our sanctification a little bit like that where I need a continuous helping um, because I, I I run out and then um, what am I supposed to do the next day? Right. And, and I think we quant- try to quantify it a little bit too yeah. much that way. The, you know, uh, we're, we're never going to be able to reach uh, that state of perfection in this, in this fallen no. life. But the goal, the trajectory that we're heading towards is it's towards that end. Now um, the, the question I think to a certain degree, when it comes to sanctification has got to be, you know, uh, what motivates us to do so, to want to live a life of holiness. I remember uh, talking to some of my children and uh, and and uh, hearing some of their friends, the way they talk about me as their dad. And uh, it, you know, if, if they were to criticize me, I'd like to think my children are going to defend me because they love me. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, des- it's sort of a similar type of a desire, you know, when, do we if we truly love the lord and appreciate what he has done then we'll start to see that manifest in the desire in our hearts to want to live a life of conformity to his law yeah that's the gratitude part yeah as well so often we think it's the law that does that for us when it's when it's the gospel that does it for us it is the it is a spirit of god that is renewing our hearts day to day to conform all the more to the image of Christ. A lot of, you know, as you know, there's a lot of image discussion right now in yeah. the public sphere as, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussions about uh, about race and ethnicity and gender and uh, or gender confusion, as you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the big comeback that the Christian church has used to argue for a uh, for an orthodox view in all these things has been the image of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because of image, um, you can't be racist because we are all made in the image of God. It's sort of a common trait amongst all humanity. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, and that's definitely great. But where the but where the public dialogue is end, it public dialogue sort of stops there. Mm-hmm. I think we forget we have inherited a corrupted image. Mm-hmm. What we need is a renewed image. Mm-hmm. And that is what the Spirit is doing within us. Now, that's not common to everybody. That is only for God's people uh, that can claim to have a renewed image of God. And that is what the Spirit of God is doing within us. He is renewing our image from day to day to conform ever more so to the image 
of 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 Christ, of the Son of God, um, and uh, and that is what the Spirit is doing within us. Now we'll see that manifest in the way that our hearts are transformed in our desires, the way that we live our lives, um, and and that is what we are doing. There's no doubt of that. But it is the Lord who has freed us from the power of sin, so that we can now do these things before we didn't even desire it. But now we do. In other words, it's better to struggle to mm. want to grow in holiness than not desire that at all. That's a by far worse situation. Mm. So, yeah, it's a struggle. But the struggle is a blessing in a sense because now you desire to want to be something that you weren't before. Mm. Amen. It's a beautiful struggle. Amen. Um, yeah. Amen. It, I mean, um, it's odd. We don't like struggling. We don't like pain and suffering. <clears> but yeah. in, in one sense, the alternative is is by far worse yeah mm -hmm. and that <clears throat> brings me to my next question beautifully uh because it focuses on another reformed confession reflecting scriptures the belgic confession article 24 it's titled the sanctification of sinners so it does bear a theological question uh there's a little bit of a paradox there it seems like where we are now saved by justifying justifying faith in christ but yet we are still sinners. We're still living the rest of our lives sinning, but we're not slaves to sin. So um, maybe help flush that out for the audience. And how does the Apostle Paul help us understand this? Yeah, it, it's uh, gosh, it's such an important question. Again, our justification is a legal declaration. It doesn't make you holy. It just mm -hmm. declares you as now mm -hmm. righteous to grow in holiness now from that point. So here you are, um, someone who's been declared righteous, but you still have a, a renewed new man, new humanity in Christ that still has sort of the residual uh, leftovers of that sinful nature that is being sanctified out of you in a manner of speaking. Mm -hmm. So, but we know who we are. You know, we are the uh, the holy people of God. We are the justified children of God. We're just trying to live our lives to now trying to catch up to what we're trying, what the Lord has made us is the way uh, I, I like to see it. So, yeah, the, uh, 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 you know, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about the work of the Spirit that unites us to Christ uh, so that we are now alive. We were before we were dead. We didn't care about the Lord or anything that was uh, associated with the Lord. But now we are made alive. Uh, no longer dead. And now we are trying to grow in that new identity to catch up to what Christ God has already made us, you see, um, in in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so um and you've already you've already um referenced some some passage of scripture that talk about sanctification. We've talked about the uh, the confessions and catechisms. We don't want to divorce those from scripture whatsoever. They're just a, a faithful summary of what scripture says so where where do we find and, and maybe too is like sometimes there's the argument well the word's not there so therefore the concept's not there but as far as we can tell that the word maybe the exact word sanctification is not there but like holiness and, and making holy um is in scripture so how how in general does this is has does the bible from maybe some some high points old and new testament because generally speaking we talk about holiness or sanctification i, I think we tend to focus a little bit more on the New Testament, but since you're an Old Testament professor, um, how does the Bible normally talk about our growth in Christ and 
And maybe how does Old and New Testament not disagree, but agree in our growth and holiness? Yeah, uh, well, uh, right. I don't think there's that big a dichotomy between the Old and the New Testament on this. They, uh, uh, it, in fact, <laughs> if if I were to be a little, uh, uh, you know, curmudgeonly about this, the Apostle <laughs> Paul really is just regurgitating what is said in the Old Testament. I love it. A, yep. In a more Christ-centered, fuller, yep. in fullness of Revelation type of totally uh, type of way. Uh, the the Old Testament, largely the Old Testament prophets, when they talk about sanctification, although they don't quite use that term, what they will talk about uh, and describe is how the Spirit of God has transformed your heart so that you can now obey. There's the growing in holiness so that you can now do what you could not do uh, before. Uh, Ezekiel uh, 11 talks about how the Lord has given to you one heart, a new spirit, a, a heart of flesh, no longer a heart of stone, so that you can walk in the law of God and obey his commands. But you see, it's never just obey. And mm -hmm. I think that's the important mm -hmm. thing when it comes mm -hmm. to sanctification. It's, it's never just obey. It is always in light of what the Lord has done in mm -hmm. you, you, this is who you now are. Therefore, now you can obey. So obey. Yeah, sounds like Paul. It, Paul kind of sounds like Ezekiel eleven in, in a lot of Old Testament texts. It, it's it, it's really it really all really kind of kind of comes down to in, in one sense it kind of comes down to way back to the Ten Commandments. Believe it yeah. or not, I mean if you think about the Ten yeah. Commandments, even the term Ten Commandments is a bit of a misnomer. Yeah, the ten you know, words. It's, it's a ten word, but it doesn't begin with the commandments. No. It's um. It begins with, you know, I am the Lord. I brought you out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You know, you shall have no other gods before me. But by putting it that way, it is telling you who God is. It is telling you what he has done. But, and and this is definitely something very particular to Israel compared to the way that the Old Testament, other foreign nations of Israel um, did this. Yeah, What God has done has a direct impact on us, his people. Um, he has liberated you from Egypt, meaning he has freed you from slavery. Mm -hmm. Now, we know through the New Testament that that imagery of the Old Testament people of God enslaved in Egypt is just a shadowy picture of the real enslavement that we mm -hmm. have in sin. Yep. So when we talk about the Lord, Jesus, he has freed us from the true power of sin and death. He has liberated us from that. And now we are a free people. We are a transformed people. We are a new humanity in Christ. So you now can do what you could not do before. Now you can obey. So here are the commandments. Act as I have made you. Live like free people and obey. So it, it's important, I think, that whenever we talk about the call to obedience or the growth and sanctification, that we can never divorce that from what the Lord has done in us. Mm -hmm. The Lord has made us a new people. You are not a, uh, you are not dead in your transgressions and sin. You are now alive in Christ. And given the fact that you are now alive, given the fact that you are now free, now go ahead and worship. Now believe. Now obey. And consistently, Deuteronomy 6, as I mentioned, or Deuteronomy 30 says that the Lord will circumcise your heart so that you can obey. Uh, Jeremiah 32 is quoting from Deuteronomy 30 
Uh, the Lord will give you one heart so that you can fear him. Uh, Ezekiel 36, you know, mm -hmm. I will give to you one heart by the spirit of God and cause you to obey my commands, I think is what it says there in Ezekiel mm -hmm. 36. You can't make it any more clear than that in terms of the source of our sanctification. Now, yes, it is within us. We see it manifested within us, but it's most definitely a divine act of God, of renewal, of transformation, renovation that he's doing in our hearts so that we can now do what we could not do before. And that's such an important mm -hmm. thing here to, to remember what God has done so that we can now obey. Love it. Mm -hmm. Providentially, this reminds me of a uh, conversation I had just yesterday with a new believer that I've been kind of walking with a little bit. And he's he was talking about struggling with sin after becoming a believer and just a reminder to him. I was like, welcome to the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. He's like, this is tough. And I was like, yeah, Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him and dying to sin daily, which just those things remind me of sanctification. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think there's a lot of a, you know, uh, uh, you need to die to sin. In other words, to grow in holiness also means uh, dying to that which is unholy or non-holy or even hating that which is not holy. Um, and, and that seems to be two sides of the same kind of sanctification coin. Yeah. To love God and to grow in love for God means rejecting the world and 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 removing all the things of the of of the flesh and and that's that's tricky and and as your new uh believer friend is is struggling with or is realizing that this is just a a lifetime goal here mm -hmm. and and but as uh but yes this this is the christian life it is a it is a it is a high demand to grow in holiness. I, I don't think we want to water that down. That no. the, the standard is God himself. It is Christ himself. We're never going to reach it, but that doesn't mean the standard is not there. Uh, we are strong. And in fact, ultimately the Lord will transform us into glorified humanity to reach that state. But right now we are just called to live as in by faith, trusting the Lord to conform to that as best as we are able. But we have to remember that our obedience is not the grounds upon which we are saved yep. or even justified. And that's mm -hmm. so important to keep in mind. You are just now. You are saved now. Given the fact that you are saved and that you will never lose it, given the fact that you are just and declared just and you will never lose that, given the fact that this is who you are, this is what God has done in you, therefore there is no condemnation in you, given all of that, now live your Christian life. Mm -hmm. But you can do that now without the fear of condemnation, because that is what we are freed of uh, in our justification. Now we are called to live in conformity in our sanctification. But it's it's that liberation from the fear of condemnation that's so important, you see. And I think it makes a world of difference. Uh, you can call to live your life now, and you do the best you can. You, you'll take a step backward or two occasionally, you make a step forward or two, but ultimately that's not going to have any bearing on your salvation, you see. Mm -hmm. uh, but the desire is there. The, 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 the heart passion is there to want to conform to the image. And that is what's important. It's, it's like saying, keep your eye on the prize. And the prize is Christ. And Indeed. the prize has already been given to you. So stop looking at yourself. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ and follow him. 
Amen. Amen. Uh, I think a, a lot of the struggles, if we really, and I don't know to what degree, you know, maybe we just waffle back and forth. We're, we, we, so we're so prone to forget oh, yeah. uh, that Christ has done it all. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we are, we tend to want to see some uh, kind of uh, salvation benefit in yeah. our obedience in terms yeah, of our today better than yesterday that I obey more today than I obeyed yesterday. Indeed. And, uh, and, and I think that's harder. The, the more I've done ministry, the, the more I see that the people who struggle with that the most are the ones who are very confident, oh, very yeah. intelligent, very oh, yeah. gifted, because they can do so much, you see. They're so capable. Um, to, to tell them that to, to, to merit your own salvation is something you cannot do is hard for educated people to swallow. Yeah. because so The merit so makes sense. Yes, and 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 I think what they have to remember is that that's it. the reason why the standard is so high is to remind us that you can't do this on your own. You will fail. That is why you have to look to Christ. And and even in our sanctification, we need to depend on Christ to to move forward and to grow in holiness. And uh and and for that reason, you don't want to necessarily look at your life per se. Look to Christ, and your life will conform more and more so into that. Uh, to that image. Boy, don't boy, don't the beatitudes help us with that. We're reading a book right now about ready to record on uh on something based on the beatitudes. It reminds me of that as well. Indeed. Again, this it, it this it, and you know, it, as you guys know, you know, and and our our reformed uh seminary educations uh are so good in reminding us that uh, we live out of what God has made us. You know, this is the indicative. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we are the renewed people of God. We are his children. We are um, uh, justified. We we are the new humanity. We are freed from sin. You know, we are transformed. This is who we are. Now, given who we are, here are the imperatives, the commands that we are called to live in. And, and that's such an important order. Um to, to keep in mind we it in other words how we live and and who we are and how we live is completely dependent on who Jesus is and what he has done for us and it's so important to keep that in mind you see even in our sanctification yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. another confession that talks about sanctification um, is the Westminster Confession of Faith article 13 of sanctification. Uh, which is continual and irreconcilable war between the flesh and the spirit. You've brought this up a little bit already. <clears throat> we see language like this on paper, doctrinally, we read about it. We're like, okay, but how do we know this is applying to us personally, individually, and not fooling ourselves into moralism without salvation? Yeah. How do we, yeah that yeah that that's it, it's tricky you know because um you know that it, it is true that there is a constant uh battling of the flesh even uh particularly for christians again i think that's important to remember if you're not a if if you have no faith in christ then the desire to be holy is not even going to be there um the uh the only reason there is a war of the flesh and the spirit is because we have a desire to want to grow mm -hmm. in holiness mm -hmm. in, in a in an unusual funny way 
the that struggle is sort of a, a confirming assurance mm -hmm. again it's it's sort of the you know if, if i i hope um your listeners can appreciate this but when we talk about the uh the 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 enmity that conflict between um uh the seed of the woman seed of the serpent back to genesis three fifteen, uh if you think about it is the lord who put that that conflict uh, that hostility between the two. If he didn't put it, there would be no hostility. Uh, a lot of the struggles that we face as Christians in in our world, because our values and our virtues are so different than the than the fallen world uh, around us, is going to guarantee conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes that conflict is internally within us because of the residual sin that that exists. But the Lord is the one who kind of put it there. Uh, because if he didn't put it there, we are going to be friends with this world. There's no conflict. So the, the, really, the options are either live at peace with the world, and you're fine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or live at peace with God and be at conflict with the world. So it, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's difficult, but the conflict in many ways can be um, a, a blessed thing. Truth be told, I, I don't know uh, if, if we're fully in tune with just how corrupt we are yeah. as, as, yeah. as i think we look outside the world and we say oh they're corrupt and we look inside ourselves like well i'm, I'm okay but yeah, yeah like you yeah. said there's 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 just as much corruption in our own hearts and i think uh you know the the better uh humbler states of our lives when we kind of come to terms with um you know we we are by far uh, uh worse sinners than than we might come to terms in, in that sense it kind of is sober and you you mm -hmm. you think you you should grow but the more you kind of think about it, you realize that you are by far more sinful. And it sounds like and it feels like you're regressing. Yeah. When, yeah. in fact, the reality might be is that you're just growing in wisdom to the reality of what has always been the case. Yeah. You're not getting worse. You're just realizing just how bad you are. Um, and it's really only then that you can really come to terms with the, the reality of Christ and, and the blessing of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that allows you to now kind of grow um, uh, in in holiness uh, all the more. And um, so sometimes, yeah, it, it is a battle, but um, it is a uh, it is a struggle. Um, praise God for that struggle, because I'd rather struggle with this and it be uh, in peace with myself and peace with the world and thus be an enemy of God. Hmm. Um, uh, and. Uh, and to a certain degree, we might be shocked with just how sinful we are. Um, you know, we really might be surprised with just, uh, you know, if you think about just not just loving God, but even loving others <laughs> and just how bad we are at, at doing that. Um, you know, um, we're talking about people we can see, you know, much <laughs> less the Lord who we cannot see. Um, and if we can't do that well, you know, to, to what degree have we come to real um uh, a sensibility of just how sinful uh, we are. Um, it it just shows us all the more the, the the need that we have for Christ and the and the joy that we can have when we can see that we can truly love others uh, and love Christ when we when the when we are growing in that to rejoice in that because that really is what the Spirit is doing uh, within our lives. Quick little plug for our own podcast here. If you are an individual and you want to help donate for this work, you can go to our show notes, to our Patreon page, as well as our Spotify donations page. 
you want to make a recurring donations, they're either $15 or $20 a month, or a single donation, you can also do that as well. Those really help us on the back end to give to this work, to keep up our website, to make sure we can pay those who help with our editing, with our software, with our merchandising, all, all those good things. If you're a potential sponsor and you want to sponsor us and, and fill out one of our ads, you can email us at guiltgracepod at gmail.com and we can talk through some of the options that we have. And we would love to work with both individuals and publishers, institutions, seminaries, whoever it may be, as we all work towards our mission of bridging the gap to reform Christian theology. Yep. Help expand our work and be a bridge builder. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And that's, this, this kind of reminds me, um, it was, uh, part of the reason why we first contacted you to come on for sanctification in crisis. I was listening and we'll, we'll, we'll plug this show at the end of our, of our podcast. And I'll plug it right now to your, um, uh, a podcast that you contribute to and you co-host the RTS Washington faculty podcast. It's you and a couple of the professors there. And you were speaking on the fruits of the spirit. It really struck me. And I think it would strike a lot of people. So I'll put a, I'll put a link to this episode in our show notes. And and you made this comment and I I had thought about it before. And I I love the way that you put it. Uh, When Christians look at the list of the fruits of the spirit, and this is Galatians five, and they compare it to their lives. And Paul is like, Hey, this is what marks the Christian life. And if you look at it and you're like, uh, Paul, um, I'm not really sure I could do this that well. My my life is is not really marked by this when it's humbleness and it's it's meekness and it, like sure I have spells of these, but man, this doesn't really mark all of my life. And you start thinking after this, am I actually growing in in Christ? Am I growing in in holiness? And and I mean to be honest for myself, and I know Nick has thought this before, like am I even saved if this does not mark who I am? Can you can you help Christians who struggle with fruits? Like I, I I don't actually produce this all as often, and how can it mark my life? Yeah, it. Uh, and again, I think it's just you know you you speak from you know, and I appreciated your openness and 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 sharing a little bit of the uh, of your own kind of Christian life experiences. Yeah. But but the fact is that that it's all of us, um, you know. Uh, and, uh, and and it's me as well. You know, the, doing that podcast on the series of the uh, fruits of the spirit has been challenging because you can't help but to be self-condemning every time I know. for every yeah. fruit. You yeah. know, um, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love. Well, failed there. It's joy. <laughs> exactly. You know, it. Yeah. It it's it's almost you you can't almost well not almost you you I definitely feel hypocritical. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when you do these things. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at the same time you, you do, we, we need to remind ourselves that, you know, it, it, it does take some level of patience of, for, uh, the spirit to nurture these fruits within us. We want immediate fix. You know, we want to be loving right now. Yeah. You know, we want to be joyful right now. We want to be patient right now. We want to flip a switch and, and not have to deal with this any longer. And that's just not the way that the spirit of God, uh, is, is going to work. Um, these are fruit. It's going to be something that's going to mature within us. It's going to, it's going to nurture. Uh, it, it may take, uh, three steps forward, two steps back. Uh, but at the long run, we have made one step forward until the day that the Lord returns. And then there's the fruits of the spirit glorified in all perfection and within us. And, and I can't wait uh, for that time. I'll tell you that w- what I have constantly reminded myself 
uh, when I and whenever I talk about these podcasts, these any of these Christian virtues, these mm -hmm. fruits of the spirit is to rejoice whenever I can see that manifested in me. And, and you can. I mean, you know, I, I as I mentioned to you guys earlier, you know, I have six children <laughs> uh, and and I love those kids and I love them with all my heart. But it's been challenging at times. And there are times when I have said and done and thought things that are truth, truthfully, truly corrupt. Yeah. Uh, uh, shamefully embarrassing almost. And um, and not something I definitely would want to share openly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. in, yeah, in, I got gotcha. you. Uh, uh, too much of a, a detailed way. Um, but there are moments in which leads me to repentance. You know, uh, you you ask for the Lord to forgive you. You ask for the Lord to make to transform you to to do to uh, to do better. And so when the next opportunity comes where you face a similar thing. And you do do better. You know, you don't uh, lose your temper. You don't yell uh, at the top of your lungs. You, you actually, by the grace of God and the spirit that is working in your heart, you have been able to manifest uh, a patience or self-control or a gentleness where before you knew it was not within you. And you praise God for that. Uh, and, and I think that's important for us to remember. You can praise God the fact that you have manifested that fruit because it is a spirit. Because you know it's not within you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's definitely the spirit of God uh, that is working within you. You also would remind yourself that when you when when it manifests itself, you praise God. But you also remember that your inability to keep it is not the grounds upon your mm -hmm. well-being and mm -hmm. good standing before God. Mm -hmm. You are justified now. Uh, that is such a hard thing to remember it, on a day to day it, basis. It most definitely is. And praise God that we can live our sanctification out of our identity of being justified yeah. in Christ. And, and, and that is a very liberating freeing thing. And it, it doesn't make me take that for advantage. It shouldn't, no. it shouldn't, it doesn't make me think, well, there can be, I, be, I can be cavalier. I can, yeah. I can be hedonistic and I yep. can just kind of do whatever I want. And so it doesn't matter if I yell at my kids and, or, 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 or uh, do other corrupt things. Uh, it, it does matter because it's a miserable way to live your life. Um, but now I am free to want to live that life. And um, and the, what I've generally found, though, is that the more I try to look at the or try to generate, you know, some type of a, a emotional frenzy to manifest these fruits, uh, the harder it is. You know, the what I've found is that what I need to do is when I'm feeling like I'm failing and when I can see that I'm weakening is to constantly focus on Christ and to mm -hmm. look to him um, and to, and to try not to take your eyes off of that uh, and, and then allow the spirit kind of work with you. And that's, that's what I have found as being the most helpful and the most beneficial thing for me whenever I struggle with these things. And that's what I think I'd encourage for your listeners who are listening. Uh, you know, there are going to be times when they're going to fail. Uh, and the, and those fruits of the spirit are just not going to be really clearly seen. And it's easy to kind of panic and think, oh, my goodness, I'm not saved. No, your, your, your salvation is not dependent on what you do or not do. You are saved in Christ. You are justified now. Given that. Now live your life as free you can and focus on Christ is I think what I would encourage them to all the more. Not look at their lives, not even look at their faith. Mm -hmm. Look to Jesus uh, and to fix your eyes on Christ as best as you are able. Yeah, mm -hmm. wonderful. Thank you.
Yeah. This is like I, the gospel, including all these doctrines are. Yeah. I don't know a Christian who doesn't struggle with this. Yeah. I mean, but the, the gospel, including all these doctrines are both really, as you explained, like the easiest thing to understand based on what you're saying, but it's also the hardest thing to understand because of our fallen nature. Yeah. And Amen. not even yeah. like not even fallen. I mean, yes, fallen nature, but just your own daily experience. Like I, I know this, like I know this because I'm I'm a sinner because I I inherited a sinful nature. But man, I like I see this from the moment that I wake up until the second that I go to bed. I, even if I even if I didn't ascend to original sin, I would see like I'm I, I see it myself. Right. Yeah, yeah, people I think in general are are not good at um, reminding themselves of things that. Um, uh, that that the scripture teaches, you know, Luther, as you know, uh, in his commentary on the book of Galatians, encouraged us to to preach the gospel to ourselves. I, I think he may had a moment of um, of um, optimism. People are not going to do that. They're not good at doing. We're that. law preachers, yeah. They preach law to themselves, right? Not not gospel. <laughs> yeah. um, it really is pastors at this point that kind of we need to disciple our people on to know how to do this, you know. Oh. How do you how do you live with the fact that our tendency is, believe it or not, it's towards moralism? It was actually yep. Bob Godfrey who taught me that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, the tendency of humanity is not towards sinfulness; it's 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 towards moralism. We absolutely we our desire and our thought is to be good because we think we can earn this. Mm. Um, and and what we need to remember is that we cannot uh, uh, outside of the spirit that is working. Uh, within our hearts and people are bad at that uh you know this discipleship is not just always kind of you know uh uh bible study sometimes discipleship is just knowing how to apply really basic sunday school gospel truths on a regular day-to-day basis uh uh so even when you preach uh mm-hmm. when monday morning comes and they fail how are you going to disciple and train your people to know how to respond to that and they in a in a in a grace based way mm-hmm. that doesn't throw out the law, mm-hmm. uh, but that calls him to obedience in a way that is healthy, and 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 that's again it's tricky, mm-hmm. um, but it's such an important thing to know how to do, and 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 we just need to train our people to know how to think that way. Yeah, totally. And if we're honest, I mean, we need to be reminded too that that's why it's so important to on a go to the church every Lord's day. We need, we have short-term memory loss. We need assurance. We need to be reminded of these things after a week. We just, there's so much sin we piled up while we're still justified for sure. But these things easily slip our minds and we just need to go hear the word preached every Sunday. And you can see how, if you miss going to church, these things just pile up and assurance lags um, you may still be saved and justified, but your assurance even, takes a even hit. going to church, you still forget the stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's that's why just going, being consistent, going to church is so helpful for for this stuff. So I'm going in my next question. My last one is the the last uh, confession or catechism that I could find sanctification applied to was the Westminster Shorter Catechism. There's a Q&A 35, and it's just, what is sanctification? And I know we <laughs> talked about this over and over, but we'll just kind of finish the conversation where it started with the 
with the with the definition based on this shorter catechism of what sanctification is, elaborating on it and whatnot. But further, if I could add something a little new angle on it, is what do and and this is a wordplay that uh, I think a lot of people come to it so you can correct it. So I purposely asked it this way, adding practically, what do we need to do to get sanctification personally? Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate the wordplay for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, it is the Lord working in us that's manifest in our art. So that's definitely something that we're doing. I think I would, inc- in order to grow, um, and Nick, you kind of hit it on the in many ways uh, on the head. Um, I don't know. I I think I'm just an old fashioned Presbyterian guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I I both believe... of us are old fashioned Presbyterians too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's that tricky. Truth be told, it it it's a matter if we really believe that the uh, the means of grace that the Lord has provided in the in in the context of His church is that really going to make a difference or not? Absolutely. You know, and and I th- and it and it does. Mm-hmm. And we need to believe and remember to remember that it does. It, the things that we can do in order to grow is not to whip yourself into some type of emotional frenzy. It isn't to calculate, you know, drink more coffee to be alert more on a Sunday morning or something like that. It, 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 it's just good old fashioned means of grace. You, and I think the one that you hit on, Nick, is such an important one. Go to church. Go to worship. My guess is uh, most people come into a place of worship on any given Sunday, whether it's in the evening or the morning or the evening, that people come in pretty uh, beaten up a little bit oh, yeah. um, after a, a full week of, of working in a fairly secular environment or even within a Christian one, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. and you're dealing with people and, and you're dealing with sinners and you're frustrated and you have sinned yourself and and you're feeling a certain level of guilt. Um, first of all, if you're if you're struggling with that, that's a church is exactly where you need to be. Yeah, um, it's, this is, it's exactly for people like that who are feeling beaten up, who are feeling uh, a bit rejected, and feeling discouraged, and and feeling defeated. And to allow the church and the preaching of the gospel, the sacraments, prayer, to now do what no man can do. And that is to remind you of who you are and what the Lord has done, has done in you already and what the Lord is doing within you right now. And to uh, rejoice in that. Thank God for that and see the way that the spirit is going to manifest those changes in your life the next day or even the next hour or, or so. You know, one one of the things that I do a lot uh, and I see a lot of churches do, and, and uh, I've really come to appreciate the value of this. It's just a, a time of confession of sin, a mm-hmm. public confession of sin in public worship, uh, because if there's an opportunity for you, you know, as, as pastors preach uh, from a text on any given text, it, you know, the gospel may be a little bit more clear or less depending on what they're preaching from. Yeah. Um, but if you allow for an opportunity of confession of sin, it's like you have an opportunity to preach gospel in a real truncated way. Oh yeah, and do that every single Sunday, and mm-hmm. it, and it and it trains your people. You see, mm-hmm. it allows them to kind of hear you take them through their sin, and not be defeated by it, but be triumphant because they could see that it has been paid for, and that you are free to grow out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we do that on any given Sunday, 
where we have either a you know a a printed corporate confession mm-hmm. or uh, an individual time where people privately are confessing their sins. Um, it gives the opportunity for pastors to to overwhelm them with gospel, with grace, and to teach them and to prepare them and disciple them. You see, of how to deal with sin that day and throughout the week, whenever they uh, wrestle with it. It really is one of the uh, most uh, uplifting and encouraging uh, spiritual disciplines. So, you know, h- how can you practically grow? I- again, I don't think I don't think it's magic. I don't think it's um, uh, the math is not hard. It's just a matter of appreciating the fact that these simple, regular spiritual disciplines can actually make a big difference in your life. Go to church. It, you know, now after COVID, it's <laughs> it's a little challenging to get people back in churches. Go because you need it. It's good for you. Uh, it, it'll it'll help you be reminded of things that you easily can forget. It reminds you that you're with other people just like you. They're struggling just like you, and and they need the gospel just like you. Uh, and that you're not alone. And so to be in a community like that is such an important and encouraging way to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, this will, we'll end with this. Um, and, and you've already, you've already touched on this a little bit. Um, but preaching this, I think could be kind of a, kind of a sticky matter, depending on, like you said, where, like where you start and where you end or, or what this is based upon. And, and preaching sanctification, preaching the fruits of, of a sanctified or, or, or a growing uh, life in, in Christian um, in Christian truth. How how is holiness? How is sanctification? How is growing in the Christian life when it just seems so often like we're we're not growing in the Christian life? We keep on getting battered around. How is how is it preached without making people feel like I I'm not that like I I'm I'm not I'm not doing this I'm not doing this well. Or kind of just adding to the list of things. Okay, I got to do this again this week. I got to do this again this week. I got to be happy. Got to be joyful. Those are the marks of spirit. Or if, if I'm not doing this, I'm not, I'm not happy or joyful. So how, how do you how do you how do you maybe preach this for those who are yeah. listening who are just kind of average church members when they're listening and they maybe feel beat up, or for those who are pastors who are want, like generally wondering like how do I do this? Well, I I think we have to acknowledge they probably are if. if depending on what we're dealing with here, they probably are not doing it right. You yeah. know, they probably are falling. <laughs> I know I don't do this right all the time. <laughs> you know, um, I, again, if we really believe in the depravity of man, I, I don't think it should be a surprise to us when we fall short. Um, the um, it, in, And it's not okay, you know, and I think people need to be uh, aware of that. But praise God, Christ took upon himself the penalty of our sin. Praise God that Christ has freed us from the power of sin uh, and it no longer rules in our lives. Um, we need to remind, and, and that really has to be the kind of the core of the preaching of the word of God from, from, from Lord's Day to Lord's Day. It is the work of Christ uh, for the forgiveness of our sins, uh, to the freedom uh, uh, from the power uh, of, of our sins, and, and to rejoice in that. You see, sin is not okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it took nothing short of the death of the God-man himself uh, to redeem us from it, to sanctify and to sanctify us from it. And I think we have to acknowledge it's not okay. Uh, we most definitely deserve condemnation and wrath. But praise God, Christ took that upon himself. Now we are free, uh, and now uh, we can grow. And I think that what I'd encourage Christians out there in your in your uh, listening audience 
for church pastors and leaders out there is is just to constantly preach the word of God, preach Christ as central, because uh, uh, that's what your people are going to need. Quite mm -hmm. frankly, pastors, we preach Christ not because we're supposed to. We <laughs> preach Christ not because we're just called to. We preach Christ because, quite frankly, this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, from the pulpit, I honestly don't know what else I'm supposed to talk about other than <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't. I can't imagine just making up my own stuff every week. Well, it. Well, yeah, that would be. <laughs> that would take more work. Truth yeah. be told, is to mm -hmm. to reinvent the wheel in that sense. But you know, when you're de when you presume for a moment, and I think it's true, that the majority of our people who come to our churches on any given Sunday are are feeling discouraged and oh, yeah. defeated. Mm -hmm. they don't need to be told how to live your best life now. That's not <laughs> what they need. No. What they need is to be reminded of who they are and what this, what the Lord is doing within us now to free us from this so that we can, in fact, grow. That's what they need to be told from day to day and most definitely from week to week. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> and that's a, that's a great way um, of ending this. So what we do for... All of our uh, either West Cal faculty or West Cal alumni is um, talk about the institution you serve. So RTS Washington, where people can find more about RTS and what RTS Washington does. And then also about your uh, your church um, as well. Word of Life OPC, where you guys meet, what time you guys meet, all that, all that stuff. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I um, to find out more about uh, 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 Reform Seminary here in Washington D.C., you can go to uh, our the RTS website. Uh, that's uh, rts.edu, uh, and look for our. Uh, uh, there are multiple different campuses, mm -hmm. and look for us here in Washington D.C. And you can see our class offerings, our faculty, and some of the things that we are trying to do here to serve our uh, area, which, as you can imagine. I mean, talk about an area that needs the gospel. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. You know, talk yep. about an area that is, you know, where it, 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 I weep that I have to say that, um, that, that people are saying that it is, that it's just preaching Christ. I, I weep that I, I say it that way, that, that, that's mm -hmm. not adequate, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the context of the church. But, yeah. um, uh, so the battle here is particular with the challenges of what uh, is to be central in the message. Mm -hmm. uh, so so uh, all the more reason that we are firmly committed to a Christ-centered approach to uh, theological theological education here. Totally. And as for my church, Word of Life, um, it's a church plant. Uh, it's a small church plant up in Maryland. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find our website at, at wordoflifemd.com. Um, I'm actually just doing it part-time, which honestly is a problem because <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have church planted before, you yeah. know, that's not a part-time thing. Nope. And, uh, and, and the, and the, and the, and the plant has suffered because of my inability to give it my mm. full attention. So we are about ready to bring on a guy pretty soon, mm. Lord willing. And so, uh, and, and I rejoice and thank the Lord for that. And Lord willing, we'll be able to see good things happening. Already good things are happening that now that people are aware that that change of leadership is about to come. And so um, and 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 it's been great. I sort of have found a new passion in ministry and church planting, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, uh, and this is a second one that I'm doing with my family. And Lord willing, we'll see what other opportunities arise in the future. Awesome. What, Any... One more time. What what town is that in Maryland? It's in Columbia, Maryland. Okay. Um it, it Columbia is sort of the Irvine of uh, of my county, believe it or not. And okay. so, 
but no in and out there though. Oh, <laughs> so it's not quite Irvine, but it's close. Close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Ali, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for your work in the seminary, your work in, in church planting, uh, and to uh, teaching Christians, uh, teaching those listening here what sanctification is, uh, who they can rely upon for their sanctification. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this, this really important issue within the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, I appreciate the opportunity, you guys. I don't get to talk theology much around here. So whenever I can, I grab it every <laughs> chance I get. Well, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed today's episode in our season six introduction to reform theology, where all of our guests come from Westminster Seminary, California, either current faculty or alumni who come from and graduated from Westminster and are serving institutions in churches and academies in the U.S. and all across the world, where we talk about Reformed theology through the lens of our confessional tradition, Westminster, the Heidelberg, Belgic, and the Cans of Door. I myself am a graduate of Westminster. I'm heavily influenced, obviously, by the institution and love to share this information with those who don't know this tradition as well. Yeah, and myself as a layperson, theologically interested in in Reformed theology. This has been extremely helpful this season and then the previous seasons, the last few years in the book clubs, but particularly the, the focus of this season, whether you're a layperson or not, uh, having all the guests come from Westminster Seminary, California has been helpful and you'll get a understanding of why that seminary has been so influential to obviously Peter, but myself, and most especially uh, my pastor at my church is a Westminster Seminary, California graduate. Yeah. So if you guys want to find us, one of the easiest ways of helping us out is to find us on Apple or Spotify, whatever podcast catch, but especially those two rate and review us. And if you can share us, share an episode, share a season with your friend, that's, that's usually how we, how we uh, build our, our crowd.